God, that is a good cup of coffee, honey. Oh, thank you, babe. Welcome to my Sunday morning culture club. Loving it. Love our Sunday morning records. Oh. First up, yes. you're looking a little bit troubled. I am troubled. What's going babe? on? I've been turning something over in my mind over the weekend because I haven't had much else to do, let me tell you that. <laughs> First week of Jan. What is Stormzy going to do come proposal time, crunch time, with the ring, with the engagement ring for Maya? Because toxic masculinity and all that, he's going to have to out bling Ben Simmons's massive engagement ring but of course I don't think he can out bling in a sensible way because I think Ben Simmons just has a lot more money as an NBA player versus music industry plus also it would look tacky to try and out bling I mean it. it was a large ring as it, it was, was you know any want... bigger than that no. I think it looks like it came from a Christmas cracker absolutely right and so what are you gonna do you're gonna make one he's gonna have to go for something quite different I feel he can't do the single large stone as per her previous ring, which is obviously the most popular like engagement ring style, he's going to have to do something a little bit out there, surely. A bit modern, perhaps. Yes, something way more thoughtful. Can I ask what's been... Oh, what's, what's, what's triggered this, this um, terrible time well, mentally for you? Yes, it's been very troubling. What has triggered it is this ridiculous tweet from this fool, who I'm not actually going to say his name because he's like a nobody on Twitter. But um, he has tweeted... Uh, over the weekend or I think it was on Friday Stormzy has gone down in my estimations for this I don't care who the babe is you can't go and get engaged to a next man and come to me like everything's cool <gasps> especially if that guy was richer than me stay over there oh it was in response to God. someone posting a video of like the really it, wholesome cute video yeah, of her sitting on his lap yes, it's honestly looking adorable extremely hot both of them. um yes both of them and so happy and he looks so proud oh my heart but it is prom it is um kind of going into this whole debate that I remember when they first got back together of like oh like how could you take your girl back when she's been like shagged by someone else and like there's this weird horrible toxic male belief and they're like she's been used by another man tarnished tarnished that's it it's so objectifying it's actually crazy that people think it's acceptable in 2024 to espouse those kind of views online yeah and there've been all these men commenting like yeah if my babe's body count is over three or five she ain't coming oh my god also they are not taking into account what actually went down as we have covered previously on this podcast And as Stormzy himself has admitted, he treated her badly. Shit went downhill because of his behaviour, not hers. He should be so lucky. So he's to grace the air. Absolutely over the moon that he's getting a second chance rather than like some kind of taking an ego hit. I don't think it's an ego hit at all. I think it's a flex. Exactly. Um, But therefore, I am concerned over the internet reaction to the ring. Because I think that's where I think people are going to do comparisons and be really mean about it. There will definitely be comparisons, won't there? I mean, maybe Stormzy and Maya might keep their entire, like, engagement slash marriage slash long-term life together private. So she might see that. I could see them having a secret wedding. Couldn't you? Just to avoid any speculation in the first place. Also quite nifty, isn't it? Being like, the ring's so precious, she can't wear it out. You'll never see it. It's, it's, it's too valuable. It must be within 10 foot of a safe at all times. Yeah. She's only allowed to wear it in the house with a bodyguard. One thing I have wondered about Ben Simmons and I went on a bit yeah. of a uh, internet deep dive the other day is whatever happened to Mariah Jama? The dog <gasps> she had, the little... The of, little floof. Yeah, Pomeranian. I he think has, it must have stayed with Ben Simmons. Because he has so many dogs. Yeah, and he had the big curly one. And What did she see in him? I don't know. I mean, I don't know the guy. I mean, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I what just, the hell does she see? I mean, he's a very attractive man, but I have no idea what he's like as a person. I also, I know this is so judgmental and absolutely has no um, 
there's no reason for me thinking this, but I do judge anyone who like has a collection of supermodels as exes. I do as well. He went out with Kendall Jenner, I think, didn't he? What happened with the engagement ring actually? Because he was like one of his reps was like, Maya needs to give back the engagement ring. Yeah, there was a debate around it being returned. And then I think what her reps were like, Maya is returning the ring. She just hasn't had the chance to do so yet. (laughs) Now that you remind me, I do have it I wonder how that works. Like real talk. Do you think when celebrities buy rings that are like a million quid, they get like a return policy with the jewellers? Just in case. Just in case. Because how do you even return a ring like that? He's obviously going to return it. Why would you keep a diamond that's worth like crazy amounts of money like that just in your house in a safe? I guess you don't need to necessarily return it back to the same jewellers. You could then sell it somewhere sell else. It on. But what is the politics? Like, okay, say, I mean, we shouldn't even use you as an example because you are literally <laughs> engaged. Um, say someone got engaged and then very sadly broke up before they got married. I think you are meant to give the ring You're back. You're meant to give the ring the, back. Uh, like if the person who gave you the ring paid for it. What if they cheated on you? Because there are circumstances where people go and buy engagement rings together and stuff like that. It's not always the person doing the proposal, buying the ring. But if they did, if they did you dirty? Do they... If they did you dirty, I think you can keep the ring. Surely that's one of those scenarios and where it's acceptable. Yeah, an unspoken moral rule. I actually rewatched Titanic on Friday oh, night. Interesting Random segue plan. there. What's that got to do with Myron Stormsea? Because it made me think of an expensive jewellery because obviously Heart of the Ocean oh, at the end. Yes. I think I can drop a Titanic spoiler since it's been 20 hey, years guys, since it came so out. So sorry about that. You'd do something like that, wouldn't you? You might just chuck it in the ocean. I mean... Yes. You know. A bit like... Um, uh, Andy and Good Material just chucking all the perfume in the, the, the river. <laughs> Dolly Alderton's book, Good Material, by the way, guys, if you don't know what we're referencing. Yes, which has been our most popular episode to date. So it has. Clearly, uh, Lots of Dolly stands out here as well. And she liked the picture on Instagram, which was slightly mortifying for us guys. Real ones yeah. who've listened will know. <laughs> yeah. Because while it is flattering, it's not like the most flattering episode that could ever we like, have been published. listen to half. And I was like, Jesus Christ, if she listens to this, it's going to be extremely awkward. So I mean, let's hope she hasn't. I mean, but if she has and has become a fan, hello and welcome (laughs) Welcome to our podcast. Straight up. Anyway, so that is the DL on Stormzy and Maya. I also know that they, uh, I think she's moved back in with him or they're, I've heard. Oh, no, no, no. Yes, because she posted yeah. with the dogs, the two big Rottweilers. Yes. Back in the Kingston house. I went on such a wormhole the other day of how exactly you train a protection dog. It's Ooh. fascinating. In fact, you can't get all the info online because they don't want people training them in for, for bad reasons. But it is very interesting. God. And I watched loads of videos of people in like bite suits getting dogs to like oh, literally. Really? God, like... that is a really random internet wormhole yeah, for you. I, I, I don't know why, actually. But, For some um, reason on TikTok, I keep getting served videos about American XL bullies because you know how now they yes, have to be muzzled. Yes. Well, you know, my party trick is a very realistic bark. Yes, I do, actually. I've heard it. Have you done on the pod? I don't know if this is acceptable. <laughs> Would you like to treat everyone to a, uh, a quick bark? Should I do it from like far away? Go on then. <laughs> oh my God, that's actually a bit scary. Yeah, I know. That's it's really realistic. You're welcome. Well, thank you, babe. <laughs> Right, guys. I can also do a really good sheet, but I'll let, I'll let that for another episode. Save that one for next time. Yeah. yeah. Welcome back, honeys, as Welcome always, back. to Straight Up, to the second episode of January. We are the Pop Culture Podcast, lifting the lid on all things fame, debriefing on the top books, films, TV, podcasts, music, everything, everything really. Well, less music, actually, because we have realised that people are not that interested in music. Yes, funny yeah. that. <laughs> Which is a weird one. But anyway. And it's hosted by Kathleen and me, Ellie. It is. Thank you for that, hun. <laughs> Nearly forgot to say who we are, the usual. <laughs> right, this week we've got a big old smorgasbord of topics as per. I think, though, in keeping with the 
objectification conversation. Oh, yes. It would be amiss for us not to quickly touch on the frankly bizarre 29th birthday posts that Kanye West, now known as Ye, yes. posted in honour of his wife, Bianca Sensori, just uh, recently, over the weekend. Very disturbing. Top line thoughts, Kathleen, on the string of pictures. They are X-rated. His whole feed is now just nine photos of Bianca in various states of undress, pretty much. Well, most of them. And what's really weird in all of them, he's basically fully clothed and in fact, very clothed, like more clothes than usual. So one of the pictures, guys, which I'm sure you will have all seen at the time is from last year when the couple were photographed all around Italy wearing some very odd outfits I suppose I don't even know whether you can call hers an outfit he was in a kind of like black trouser t-shirt with shoulder pads combo Bianca was wearing what I can only describe as a sheer like nude tights kind of color like is it a bodysuit is it tights and then a top I don't know but she looks naked and she's using a purple pillow cushion to cover her modesty yes it's bizarre um, I mean, I think the running theme of most of Bianca's presence online recently is just her naked. Or there was one where she's just wearing a toy dog. It is very odd and I don't like it. There's something iffy about it all, isn't there? There's something weirdly like he's trying to present his page as a kind of like, oh, look how much I value and adore my wife. Let me dedicate my whole page to her by posting. But actually nine. it's like you clearly think of her as a possession. Yes. Even his birthday message I thought was really strange so he wrote happy birthday to the most beautiful super bad iconic muse inspirational talented artist master's degree in architecture 140 IQ loving by my side every day when half the world turn their backs on me and the most amazing stepmom to our children I love you so much thank you for sharing your life with me I have so many thoughts it doesn't feel like there's much about her in that caption it's about him yeah <laughs> her Birthday Ode is, in fact, about the fact that the world turned their backs on him. Yes, and about his children. Yes. Well, with a bit of humble bragging about her IQ. to our children. If I was Kim, I wouldn't love that. Not, no. Not our shared children. His children his with children. Kim. It is giving me flashbacks to Julia Fox's staged kind yes. of imprisoned photo shoot for, was it Ideal Face, one of those magazines? Okay, so this is what I really wanted to get your thoughts on yeah. because... There seems to be a bit of a pattern, no? Yes. I, so as you will know, guys, if you listen to my Julia Fox review and <laughs> The resident Julia Fox expert. C'est moi. Uh, she revealed that the whole um, interview that, uh, oh no, it was with interview. The whole magazine interview that she did for Interview Magazine was actually kind of ghostwritten by Kanye, even though it said it was written by Julia Fox, that she really <laughs> didn't approve the copy, felt very exploited by it. And then there's images of her and Kanye in the hotel room. Uh, she actually thought were private images and had no idea they were then going to be used online by Interview Magazine, which was a, something that Kanye sorted out specifically with the editor. Very, And very, very much against Julia's will. So... That is what these pictures remind me of, like a kind of solemn looking woman, not in control of a situation who doesn't think these images, who doesn't want these images to go anywhere. There's something very sinister about the whole thing. For one, she doesn't really seem to have any autonomy. Like we said, she has kind of, I don't want to say disappeared, but 
as soon as she married Kanye, her personal Instagram disappeared. Yeah, we never hear directly from her. She seems to almost be this like mute prop well, in Ye's universe. Apparently, there are rules, uh, which again does not surprise me, considering what Julia Fox said that she had to be dressed by Ye, and he had to approve all her clothes. And his assistant used to have to like redress her if he didn't approve of the outfit she came to meet him in. Um, apparently, Bianca can only wear what he decides and she's not allowed to speak in public that is honestly awful Which, i mean she always looks super miserable in all yes. the pictures of them together as well not to put words in her mouth but she doesn't look like a happy woman in most of those photographs no and sometimes you know i can you know in fashion sometimes like we know with the balenciaga looks like yeah. it's part of an aesthetic to look miserable, miserable. Particularly with Ye's clothes. Especially if it's high fashion. There's obviously yeah. that brilliant scene in, in Triangle of Sadness. Triangle of Sadness. When they're like, H&M, Balenciaga, H&M, Balenciaga. Yes. And if it's like cheap clothes, it's all happy smiles. Whereas when it's really expensive clothing, it's like dark and With like brooding. a storming war. Yeah. <laughs> Which to be fair, I mean, Ye's all black outfits are quite Balenciaga-y, aren't they? Like yeah. all big leather, masculine, military oh, And stuff. that's not even getting into the whole Balenciaga controversy oh my god yeah lots of people still boycott them post their like essentially like child abuse inspired shoot very odd so it does feel like yes okay maybe her looking miserable in every picture is part of an aesthetic that she's agreed with yay for modeling hit the stuff that she he wants her to wear also the photo that he posted like the first picture of bianca that Kanye dropped prior to her birthday was in those tiny, tiny little pants. And there were pictures of Kim wearing those tiny little pants as well. And I don't know, it feels like a very odd, almost deliberate comparison. Yes. Agreed. I mean, all the comments are like, why, why are you just trying to get the answer like, like your ex-wife? Blink for help. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is so funny, I mean, this just shows where the internet has just become some crazy place, is that the drama of System of a Down is like hectoring Kanye on his most recent post, being like, this is not how you treat women. And then everyone's commenting like, why the fuck is the drama of System of a Down like telling, giving Kanye like lessons in morality in 2024? It's just gone weird. The whole world has gone very odd. The absolute audacity as well that he kicked off when Kim Kardashian posted nude pictures when they were together. He said it was like too sexy and inappropriate. Oh, okay, so it's inappropriate for Kim to do it, but you can post pictures of like your wife's, pretty much naked boobs with the exception of a slither of black fabric across the nips that's fine but it wasn't for kim yeah that is so double standards i mean i just really worry about her because if yeah she's her friends have all said that she's radically changed her instagram's gone she's dyed her hair a different color she's cut it all off she's dressing in a completely radically different way to how she used to be she's not speaking it seems in public it's very very odd should we do a quick background on her yeah for those that don't know Good idea. So guys, as we just said, Bianca has just turned 29. She's Australian. She grew up in Melbourne. Reports say that she grew up in the Melbourne suburb of Ivanhoe, which is described as an affluent area. Mm -hmm. So apparently, according to the Daily Beast, she comes from a mob family. Apparently, she is the daughter of an infamous Melbourne mob boss by the name of Elia Leo Sensori. It's fascinating. I know. He had done time in the 80s and was sentenced to five years in prison for heroin possession charges. And her uncle, Eris Sensori, is known for being a violent gangster currently serving life in prison for murder. Gosh. Um, and before going behind bars, he also earned the name Melbourne's Al Capone. Wow. For being so brutal. 
It's a very, very intriguing backstory, isn't it? Yeah. An old friend of hers spoke on a Nova FM radio show. Her name was Kate. So for those that don't know, by the way, Bianca was head of architecture at Yeezy. This friend Kate explained that this job came about because Ye apparently slid into her DMs while she was studying at the University of Melbourne. So just FYI, she did a BA and an MA in architecture. The friend alleges that she's not even sure if Bianca actually properly graduated because she may well have left to go and work for oh. Yeezy. It's interesting because I feel like given how publicly available everyone's information is in this day and age with the internet there's a lot of mystique still around her isn't there yes she has a linkedin profile and it does say she completed her ba and ma and i mean of course you'd have to complete your ba to do the ma maybe she didn't quite finish the ma maybe she didn't finish the ma yeah that was it also one of the things i thought was a bit questionable that this so-called former friend said quote was i knew her pretty well she was definitely in the popular group and she was known for her big boobs that was kind of her thing questionable so rude really inappropriate thing to say as someone who has big boobs it's not a thing are you offended it's not (laughs) it's literally not a thing it's just how you look yeah it's not a fucking fashion trend it's your body (laughs) my usp is my boobs um i think that's very disrespectful however and i've said this before i have become incredibly wary of these alleged sources i genuinely think it's journalists pretending it up yeah making it up and you just say oh a source said x i mean exactly i suppose also being like known for her big boobs well you could like look at a photograph and make that up it's not like a private piece of information that no one would ever know unless they did literally go to school with her exactly and these are sources that don't need to be corroborated because you don't have a name or anything so this friend though did go on a radio show oh she went on a radio show so very brazen but then also like was she even a friend or is she just some rando cashing in also, Cathers, what does it mean to be head of architecture at Yeezy? God knows, because I know they had lots of high in plans at one point before Ye's kind of fall from grace, I suppose. I remember a GQ, American GQ interview with him that, where they went to his big Wyoming ranch and he had these crazy plans to like build like cities and stuff. There was serious architectural plans. Interesting. So she was. So it wasn't even like architecture in terms of clothing. I mean, whatever that could be. Yeah, mean. I think he had grand plans for like cityscapes, literally. I see. Okay. Very confusing. I really just hope she's okay. I hope she's okay as well. I do have a quite sort of pessimistic feeling that five years time she'll come out with a similar-ish narrative to Julia Fox, as you've mentioned. I agree. I also wonder if them getting married so quickly was maybe, again, a part of coercive control on his part, because once you lock someone into marriage, it's quite difficult for them to leave. And there was quite a lot of debate about whether they were officially married. So Mm. publications would refer to her as Ye's wife in like quotation marks, but their wedding certificate proving that the marriage is official was actually reported in October, 2023. So they are definitely married interesting whenever i've seen it i saw a video of i think it was one of his album launches and he's like doing a speech while slinging an arm over her shoulder and again it's that really weird thing where he's so he's got so many clothes on every part of his body is covered up but she's got almost nothing on and his the way his arm is on her whilst he's speaking is so unnecessary and so possessive so possessive that's exactly you the just right do word. not need to be giving a speech about your new album with your arm slung over Bianca. as if she's like a cool new handbag that's like slung over your shoulder also very questionable to kind of promote that type of treatment of women in front of his daughter i hate that kind of argument of think of your daughters and your sisters and whatever like you should just treat women well regardless of your female relatives absolutely chicago west and northwest his two daughters are often photographed with them with bianca 
in various states of undress. And I think that that is like not an appropriate model. Mm, agreed. In front of your children. Like that's the treat that, okay. So you're showing your daughter that that's how you treat women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I've seen pictures where she is out and about without Kanye. I think particularly in November, she like apparently fled back to Australia. Her friends did an intervention. They went on a break. And there, it's so notable how different she is when she's not with him. She's like laughing, covered up, um, wearing, you know, lots of normal clothes. Let's keep tabs on this because Let's I definitely think, keep tabs. I think it's there will be a development. I agree. So also, Cathers, speaking of viral fame, on Friday night I watched the film Sick of Myself. Go on. So I, it's a Norwegian black comedy. The director Christopher Borgley called it a very unromantic comedy. It came out earlier this year and got a bit of hype, but then I saw it last week on the Guardian's best films of 2023 that you may not have seen. And since it's all about personal branding and viral fame, uh, I rented it on Amazon Prime for £3.49. And I thought it was really good. But, and I'll get into it later, that has it, the critics are very polarised. Some people okay. think it's like disgustingly crude, immoral. Wow. And then others like me who think it's quite funny. Els, I have some very exciting news that is definitely going to make our January that little bit brighter. Oh, thank God, babes. Tell me right now. So, Yonder have actually added the most delicious drinking and dining partners to its January experiences. And I'm dying to tell you about them just so we can pick one and go together and have a much-deserved New Year's treat. Yes, Cathers. Go on. So, we can choose between Hoppers and King's Cross, one of my faves, Frenchie and Covent Garden, Italian, Spot Artusi and Peckham, Gastro Pub, The Bull and Last in Highgate, Seafood Restaurant, Orisea, Notting Hill, Carroccios for Mexican in Stoke Newington, Thai Place Plaza in Tottenham Court Road, Arcade Food Hall also in Tottenham Court Road and whew, deep breath Calais a Thai restaurant in London Bridge from the founders of Somsa and our fave cocktail bar Swift in Soho I am salivating get me to all of them right now so Plaza I've actually been to proper authentic no frills Thai food highly recommend Yum. Swift is one of my favourite cocktail bars best Irish coffee in London yeah. you heard it here and Frenchie has been on my special occasion list for years it looks so bougie we have to go also yes. babe you can get a lot of the build pay for with your points so guys if you don't already know Yonder is a lifestyle credit card that allows you to collect points for every pound you spend and these points are then redeemable at Yonder's monthly changing selection of partners across food, drink, fitness and wellness in London as well as travel across the UK and even online shopping. Right, I've got about 100 quid's worth of points right now so I can probably get a meal for two for free on Yonder. Unreal. Thank you so much to our amazing partner Yonder. Get your first month free and 10,000 points when you join them, £15 a month thereafter. Please make sure you borrow responsibly. T's and C's apply. Rep 66.7% APR variable. Right, okay, so give me so, the download. So basically it's set in an arty district of Oslo in the present day among a 20-something group of arty thieves who essentially fund their bohemian lifestyle by stealing things like furniture and wine, which fun fact is directly inspired by the director's friends who used to do that and then all got busted. And one of these artists, Thomas, is becoming famous and increasingly self-obsessed. And his girlfriend, Signe, uh, who works in a cafe, hasn't really much got much going on, becomes increasingly jealous and bitter of the attention he's getting. And this friction becomes more and more dangerous because actually what's clear is that Signe is a pathological narcissist, pathological liar, fantasist. She's so obsessed with the tension that she lies and exaggerates wildly to get it. And she, you know, she, it starts off with things like she thinks she should have her own podcast. Um, she just wants to be the center of attention. But then as her jealousy with Thomas, her boyfriend gets bigger she resorts to more disturbing th ways to get attention, which is prompted by one day at the cafe, helping a woman who gets bitten in the neck by a dog. And she is the first person to help the woman and therefore gets blood all over her white cafe shirt and her hair and her face. 
And um, she looks like she's been in a serious accident herself because she's covered in blood. This isn't a spoiler, by the way. This is all in like the blurbs and the trailer. Um, so lo and behold, she's covered in blood and she suddenly gets all this attention. People on the street are filming her with her with their phones. All the paramedics are like, are you okay? Her boyfriend's really worried about her. Everyone's asking her if she's okay. And there's a really funny scene where when her and her boyfriend later have sex, she's like, ask me if I'm okay. And he's like, are you okay? I'm really worried about you. And like, she gets off on being asked if she's okay, which I just think is quite a funny, like black critique on a lot of the behavior that we see in the modern world at the moment. Yeah. What do you think it is trying to say? So I think it is a dark, but funny critique of main character syndrome. Yeah of the grotesque lengths people will go to to get viral fame and to find a personal brand and the skewering of performative victimhood that we sometimes see online because what then happens after she gets this taste of like fame through just having helped a woman with a dog bite dog bite she and again this is not a spoiler it's in all the blurbs and the trailer she gets hold of this dodgy russian medication called lixdol on the black market that uh has is in the news because it it gives people these awful facial deformities. Oh. And um, I mean, bear in mind, this film is not meant to be like psychorealism. Like it is. That's it, a fake medication. A, yeah, it's all okay. apparent. It's all very dark. But yeah, she gets hold of this medication on purpose to get some of these facial deformities that will get her the same kind of concern from her social circle that she got when she was covered in blood so she's in a hospital then her her deformities get worse like she signs with a modeling agency that like advocates non-conformist beauty she people are interviewing her she's like the face of like being beautiful but it's a very funny look at how not how victimhood i guess in this very like online way there's always going to be someone that's going to have a worse time than you and you're always going to be out victim so there's this really funny scene where after she does her interview with um a journalist about you know her hardship with her face there's then like an uh she gets bumped down the homepage by an active shooter story and she's so outraged she rings up the journalist is like I'm sorry but like can you get it back to where it was and she's they're like um well there is an active shooter in Oslo so, like that no. is the pr- and she can't even understand why that would be more important so she the main character more than the partner who actually yes. gets famous yeah 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 okay and it's just she's watching all these yeah deranged lengths that she goes to to keep being the main character even when obviously she's genuinely mutilating herself and there's all these little twists and turns. There are these really funny scenes where, for instance, she's at a dinner party and everyone's ignoring her. And she's, you know, I'm, I actually empathize with this bit. You know, when you say something and everyone ignores you and it's so awkward in a social situation and you're like, do I say it again? Or like, why Did is no one listening? Yeah. Am I going to repeat myself? Yeah. <laughs> Which I've had, particularly if you're nervous and you probably said it quite quietly and like unassumingly. So yeah, she says this thing everyone ignores her then she gets then her boyfriend Thomas is like having all the attention about his art again so then she just pretends that she has a nut allergy to be difficult with the chef so then everyone turns to her and it's like wow how serious is your nut allergy and she goes on about how it's like actually like near fatal and blah 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 and once she becomes like this person of interest with this nut allergy she re-says the thing that was first ignored and suddenly everyone's like fascinating and she's like the center of attention so it's using that little nugget and then like exploding it to grotesque proportions later Ah. on in the film. Um, But critics have said, so Peter Bradshaw, who I usually love and agree with everything he says, hated it. He said it was too obvious satire and very clumsy and that uh, 
there were bits that were not okay. Like when they satire the non-conformist modeling agency that she's part of, he's like, well, obviously a non-conformist modeling agency is a good thing. It's actually a massive positive. Yeah. Why you why would you out to, of it. Yeah. And I do agree with that. Actually, I think maybe they get a bit confused with the satire there, but then I think what they were trying to say is the brands that then work with that agency, are they doing it with good intentions? Mm. Like why? It's like tokenism more than it is actual. Exactly. A celebration of diverse beauty. And then the FT uh, gave it four stars and said, some may consider sick of myself, objectionably flippant or callous about such real world malaises as Munchausen syndrome or histrionic personality disorder. But that's the point, the director suggesting that in the age of 24 hour online persona, Western society in general has assumed the characteristics of what were once marginal pathological states, Oh, which I think is accurate. But then yeah. the Times was just like, it's disgusting body horror. The spectator said it was so tastelessly disturbing. It so it's a, it's a horror. It's not. I mean, I, it's a bit squeamish, but that's it. Would it, I like it? Be honest. I think you, I think it is funny. I think it's quite clever in lots of ways. And there, I was really like chuckling most of the way through. And that humor still very much translates, even though you're reading it via the subtitles. Yes. Good. And I think, I mean, it's silly, like, so some of the critiques were like, oh, it's just not psycho It's not meant to be taken seriously. Well, it's obviously, yeah, because I mean, who would really do that? But then sometimes I see stuff on Instagram where I'm like... People the, do some weird shit, man. Yeah, the stuff that people, <laughs> the, the, like the women that go online to talk about their like how, I don't know, their nights with a rapper or something. It's, it's quite like, Munchausen-y. Or it's like, you come off so badly in this that like you're embarrassing yourself. Like some of the stories people go out with are so embarrassing. I'm like, I can't believe you're sharing this, but they're doing, but like the clout outweighs the shame. Yeah. I know and, exactly what you mean. And, and I can imagine someone not obviously mutilating themselves for attention, but People fucking up their lives. for attention, let's yeah. face it. And I think social media has made that 10 times worse. And the main character energy is something we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Is like seeing, I think that maybe is the thing in the film is that she kind of detaches from her own reality and sees her like body as like this little avatar that she can direct around. And oh, then God. it all catches up with her that like she has actually just ruined her face for life. But God, it sounds a little bit depressing, actually, rather than a. Uh, I think because it's fun romp. And well, I think because it's so silly, like it's you can't so take absurd. It seriously. Like even the defo- facial deformity is like it gets more and more ludicrous. But these topics that I guess it's prompting you to yeah. think about are actually quite serious. Yes. So have you actually had quite a lot of reflection since watching it? I feel like yeah. The 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 so the director said it was about like the hell of personal branding. And I do think people making their personal brands actually quite um, the things that are quite awful that have happened to them. Yeah, I've always found that yeah. quite problematic. And I think we've touched on that even in terms of personal journalism. Yeah, yes. It's like, I mean, even to some extent, and I definitely don't want to put words in her mouth because she probably doesn't feel like this at all. But sometimes when I see the constant um, sponsored post for Elizabeth Day's My Fertility Sadness, and I'm like, gosh... The fact that you're... Um... What, is she working with like a fertility band? No, it's just I think the Times is constantly promoting... Oh, sorry, sorry yes, yeah. the Times pushed that story of her. I see it all the yes. time. And it's, it's like Elizabeth Day, my fertility sadness. I'm like, at what point does that actually become deeply depressing that that is your personal brand? And actually, the Sunday Times style 
piece by Camille Sharari that I mentioned last week about fertility I noticed in her comments on Instagram that there was a couple of people who were really disappointed that that article had a brand credit for Stripe and Stare the underwear brand that she'd been working with and someone had commented on Instagram like this was a really sensitive piece and I was really thrilled to read it until at the end I saw that you literally have a brand peg there like what the hell this is about infertility and she's commented back saying oh it's because it's a female founded brand and I refer to them in the piece when I felt so uncomfortable in my body during the IVF process. So she kind of explained it, but clearly people took real issue with the piece being about something as sensitive as infertility, having any brand connection yes. at all. Exactly. And I, and also, even though it was such a silly film, I was thinking at the time, like, okay, say she, say this really had happened to her and she did become her whole life and her whole career became about like advocating for nonconformist beauty, which is a worthwhile cause, of course. But I can imagine it must get drained. Like imagine being like, okay, that's my, that is my career. I've got to keep talking about how I look different for the next 40 years. And I've always thought that with actors as well. Like you must have to have such a thick skin if you have a very specific, non-conventionally attractive look and then you're constantly cast in those roles. Yes. That really must knock your self-confidence, your ego in some way. Like, oh, here's a role for extremely ugly woman. (laughs) Like that's the perfect one for you. I mean, I didn't even know this, but my one of my colleagues told me the other day that there is a London casting agency called Ugly Models Agency. Yes, I've heard of this. Yes. I mean, obviously, should caveat that there is no such thing as ugly. Beauty is all in the eye of the beholder and, you know, there is no ugly and beautiful. But I guess that's they're making a point of that with the name. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yes, all in all, I do recommend watching it simply if it's, you know, you might hate it. You might think it's very funny. It's good, <laughs> it's good to have the conversation. Well, I will be going away and watching that as much as you know I hate subtitles. Yes. I've actually become slightly less of an ignorant Luddite on that topic in the last few years. Well, Norway's having a moment. Did you you hear the hype about Norway's um, worst person in the world? Do you remember when that came out? Yes. Really good rom-com. Anyway, babe, so I do recommend you go and watch that film. Just want to hear your thoughts. Now, on to your recommendation. Yes, I am so excited to talk about For Me Once because I think it's safe to say it is the biggest series of 2024 so far. My whole girl group is watching it. So I am I'm so, so surprised you haven't watched it. So well, I was waiting for you to tell me all about it. Kind. So it's based on a novel of the same name by Harlan Coben, who is a crime writer who has, who has a deal with Netflix. So he's yes. got lots of shows on there, including The Stranger. There's one, I think, called The Innocent hold tight but fool me once oh my god it's so good i think everyone is in complete agreement it's a fast moving like psychological thriller eight episodes it stars michelle keegan as maya stern richard armitage as her husband joe adil akhtar as di sammy kiss and i have to say i love adil akhtar so he is in four lions one of the best (gasps) films ever yes i watched that recently Really? That's random. That I know. It's because I don't know why. It was free on Amazon or something. He's in Sweet Tooth, which I love. Another like the Netflix dystopia. And he's also in Utopia. Do you remember that show? You know, I've never seen that. Have you not? He was excellent in that. He's such a good actor. Anyway, Fool Me Once centers on Michelle Keegan's Maya Stern, who is a military pilot who's suffering from PTSD and her wealthy husband is murdered. Suddenly, nothing is as it seems. Apparently, Coburn actually based Michelle Keegan's character on a combat helicopter pilot who he'd met who'd served in the Gulf War. And he was interested in the question of what happens when that person is trying to come back into the real world? And then the show asks, what happens if said person, say, sees her murdered husband laughing on the nanny? cam oh so that's where the mystery unfolds so he's not dead well we don't know 
I don't want to do any spoilers because honestly, it's like, you know where each episode has a cliffhanger? Right, right, okay. It's very much a pacey thriller. So if I say too much, I'm going to kind of ruin it. So I want to tread very carefully here. Very good idea. Um, So am I right in thinking that because they're a wealthy couple, we get lots of fun property porn? Yes. It's actually giving Saltburn a bit in the sense that Ah. a beautiful, grand country home is kind of the epicenter of the drama. And even like the credits focusing on that. It's kind of this idea of a very upper class family. Joanna Lumley plays the <gasps> mother of the murdered husband. So Love her mother in law, Michelle Keegan's, she's excellent. It, like, is she really funny excellent. in it or is she serious? She is funny, but in that kind of biting, satirical way. I see. It's not ad fab, laugh no. out loud jokes at all. Michelle Keegan, uh, I love her in uniform. She was very good in Our Girl. She's so good. And she often plays these military roles, yes. which is quite interesting. I read a fascinating interview with her, with Eva Wiseman in The Guardian as well, that touches on lots of very us topics. Oh, yeah. Hit me. Of course, she was a long time character on Corrie, on Coronation yeah. Street. And her, I guess, trajectory on swapping soaps, which are traditionally derided for hard hitting dramas, has been like a really difficult transition for her. She was on Corrie for six years And I think her trajectory is quite fascinating when it comes to the complicated world of class, accent, beauty, tabloid celebrity. And now she's actually taking on this like really gritty role where she's brilliant. And so it's a kind of real moment for her, I think. Yes. I think Michelle Keegan is someone that is often sidelined as just like one of those, yeah, soap actresses who does like BBC, the odd good BBC drama. She hasn't taken that seriously, is she? Not really. And actually, she left Corrie in 2015. Like, it's been yeah. a while. She's really good. Yeah, she's really good. And she makes a very interesting point in this interview with Eva Wiseman that there's a lot of snobbery surrounding soaps. Mm. So she says because soaps are seen as working class, that's why people look down on them. Right, yeah. And actually, one of the things that she talks about that I thought was fascinating is how difficult it was for her I guess some might assume ironically to be labeled the world's sexiest woman or winning sexiest female at like the soap awards. I just can't believe that's still a thing. Times. She won sexiest female 12 times. Yes. Okay. Great to be noticed. But actually she'd been doing storylines on abortion, murder, sur- surrogacy, perjury, and never got back to actress once. And pretty damn pissed off about it quite frankly so it's an award show where other people were, were, were winning just at various soap their, awards yeah she's always won best sexiest female and nothing else and there were other people getting proper like well obviously for their best, work. yeah, yeah. best actress awards oh, all I of see. these so like was, various soap awards obviously have all different categories yeah. she's never won in any category at any soap awards other than sexiest female that's ridiculous also aren't there more sexy people in soaps like surely there are other rather <laughs> sexy people that could well win. apparently not people are literally obsessed with her and the way she looks it is quite interesting she was also crowned fhm's sexiest woman alive in 2015 and i really like the way that she takes aim at that in yes. this interview where she talks about how her career was reshaping itself, she talks about how sort of safe Corrie did feel as a family environment, but how intimidated she felt in the wider industry. And she recalls on one of her first magazine shoots, like literally putting her hand up to ask if she could go to the loo. <gasps> oh, babes. And her quote is, it was the norm back then to do sexy spreads in men's magazines and go to the award ceremonies where they'd have sexiest female. I was never comfortable with it. Eva asks, was there pressure to do it? And Michelle says, yes, I felt pressure and I'm a bit of a people pleaser. I tried to go with the flow, but there was something in me that was like, I really don't want this. I don't want to be on the front cover in my underwear. So eventually I gathered the courage, Eva says, to say no. 
No, to ask for a cardigan, she chuckles. Once I was like, no, no, I don't like it. So to fix it, they put a bobble hat on my head. And the sexiest female awards, Eva asks. It was embarrassing because I was in a lot of heavy storylines. There was one where I felt like I was crying every day for months and months. And then at the end of it, when the accolade was sexiest female, it was so frustrating. She gives a resigned sigh. And the funny thing is, I'm not even sexy. I've never been sexy. My friends have always laughed about it. Even when I say the word, it makes me cringe. Okay, no hate Michelle. She's amazing. But I'm like, I'm sorry, you are objectively sexy. Yes. <laughs> as much as beauty is in the eye of the beholder, as we just said, Michelle Keegan is genetically blessed. She is incredibly genetically blessed. I mean, yeah, I think it's probably, considering how good I've, I thought she was on Our Girl and other things, I refuse to believe that, there are, that, that she isn't one of the best actors in soaps. But She's a brilliant actor. There's absolutely yeah. no doubt about that. I think she's super compelling and believable. But, you know, okay, yeah, she hasn't been in a Hollywood film. I think there is a snobbery as well for people who haven't ever made it outside of TV. Yes, although her trajectory, I think, is going to hopefully follow the kind of Saran Jones trajectory. Saran yes. Jones was obviously a Corrie star, and now she's done loads of hard-hitting BBC dramas and things like that. Well, she's not a Hollywood actor, but she's still incredibly well-respected in Britain. <sighs> yeah, but then I guess... Michelle Keegan has done hard-hitting things. So why is there still a difference? Also, Michelle says that, I think in the same interview, she went over to LA when her husband, Mark yeah. Wright, former anyway, as Essex mm. star, was working out there and she says she doesn't like it. Yeah. She was like, I'm not into Hollywood. I would do it if like the work came up, but didn't like LA. I think you're right. I think there's definite classism there. And the fact that she's married to Mark Wright. Yeah, when they got married in 2015, their wedding was on the cover of Hello, which made them completely irresistible to all the tabloids. Right, yeah. Which may or may not have worked in her favour, as you say. Whereas Saran Jones is someone like she just rarely goes out. She's said before she like doesn't like going out. She doesn't like going to parties. She doesn't yeah. like drinking. She does. She's quite like austere in her private life. Definitely. I mean, Keely Hawes is another one, isn't she? A bit like Saran, who's like been very well respected as just like constant jobbing, like primetime drama actress, yeah. has never really made it onto any, on, into Hollywood, but is, is still treated quite seriously. Yeah, on that, Michelle has actually said that she's made an active choice to pull back from the tabloid. She talks about it in the piece. So she says the amount of attention that she and Mark Wright got when they got together made her very uncomfortable. She says, people spoke openly about our relationship. As time progressed, quite negative stories came out. There was lots of damaging pieces saying, oh, they split up. They've done this. She says, so we came to the conclusion that we should keep our relationship private just for us. She stopped going to parties, stopped being photographed on red carpets. And she said, it's worked out much better. As we've got older, it's become more natural for us she said she also noticed a tonal change in how the media treat her she said it used to be circles on your cellulite or saying you lost too much weight or speculating whether someone's pregnant you don't see that in the press so much anymore but the judgment's still there people are now judging you online and the media are then allowed to pick up on it by reporting on what you said which i think yes. is a very astute point because we've said this before now the way the media get around being vitriolic to famous people is quoting what other people have said on twitter yes 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 very yeah hiding behind other people's yeah. words yeah and i also noticed that okay yes the daily mail don't necessarily do circles of shame anymore but they do these quite weird taunting headlines where they'll have someone in a bikini and be like flaunts her like ample bosom yeah. but it will still be a shit picture oh totally they'll be like so and so looks fabulous in a bikini when it's like clearly the shit picture of them yeah. like leant over with like loads of roles exactly or, you know, they, they pretend that it's a positive when exactly. it's actually clearly a negative like clickbaity hater piece and the blogs will do that all the time like they're trolling 
they're trolling the celebrity with their fake headline. Literally. Like, so proud of so-and-so. Yeah. Or something will be the caption. And then everyone's commenting like, Shea Burrow, you know what you're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's difficult. Cathars, we have many pet peeves that unite us, but I must say one of the most notable has got to be our misophonia, which as we've recently discovered is the term used to describe a negative emotional reaction to common sounds. Oh my God, babe, nothing enrages us quite like the sound of someone (laughs) troughing at their desk or tapping away violently on their keyboard. For me, as someone that struggles with ADHD, distracting sounds are honestly such an issue when I'm trying to work. I actually can't cope. Of course, which is why we're such big fans of the tiny, comfy and super unobtrusive Karma earbuds from our brilliant podcast sponsor, Flare Audio. Cathers, how do they work? Take it away. Well, Huns, our ears are shaped like shells. So the sound we receive is always distorted at about 20%. Most people's brains filter that out. But if, like me and Els, yours needs a little bit of a helping hand, then the Karma earbuds are just perfect. Such an upgrade, I have to say, from my noise-cancelling headphones, which are very antisocial when you're in the office and a colleague's trying to talk to you and block you off from sounds you actually really need to hear. Don't just take our word for it either, guys. They've sold two million pairs since the launch of Knockdown, and they even do mini versions for kids and a new version called Karma Soft, which is an extra soft option for those with more sensitive ears. So go to flareaudio.com to snap up your Karma earbuds. Thank you so much to Flare. She was. I actually have never watched an interview with Michelle Keegan. I wonder. I do think she is quite private. This mm. did ring true to me because while she's a tabloid favourite, you rarely see much about her. I think what's also really interesting, she's 36. Yes. And one of the main realizations he had is this saying no to things you don't feel comfortable with, whether that's lingerie shoots or parties or questions about marriage or questions about babies. She did an interview with the mirror the other day and I was like ratings to you, Michelle, because she outed those questions around pregnancy and when they're having kids as totally sexist. So as I said, her and Mark Wright got married in 2015. They'd been married eight years and they are pummeled with questions about when they're going to start a family. I noticed even in comments on Instagram, just fans will will message saying, when are you having kids? The only thing that's missing is a baby. People are very vocal about the fact that they feel that they should be having children. She said to the mirror, it's horrible. People don't know if we're trying. They don't know the background of what's happening. In this day and age, you shouldn't be asking questions like that. I'm asked purely because I'm a woman but I'm immune to it now it's like a reaction and as soon as I hear it I brush it off because it's no one else's business I'm just like thank you Michelle absolutely I mean I'm not a celebrity but when people ask me I get really annoyed which is quite funny though in terms of what we've just been saying about the papers or tabloids trying to have like what they think is a sly angle so said piece with the mirror where I saw these quotes they then at the bottom have like unearthed every other quote that she's ever said about having children (laughs) so they're like in 2018 Michelle Keegan did say that she was broody Ah! and would like to have four of them oh my god so they've made it a piece about not being asked about having kids with every quote that she or Mark have ever said about having kids oh I mean I actually have I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before but I had a a kind of um problem with one celebrity uh who was in normal people sarah green i interviewed her we got on really well she was very preoccupied at the time Connell's mother yes Connell's mother she was very preoccupied at the time of the pressure on women to have work done yes which is about two years ago it was a massive talking point and it was really upsetting her it was literally like making her think that maybe she wasn't cut out for hollywood didn't want to see herself on screen so we had a big old discussion about that And then I wrote it up and that was the focus of the interview. So I made it the focus of the piece. And I thought it was a feminist angle for me because I was like, yeah, we need to have more conversations about the pressures on women. And aging. Aging. And then the next, when it was published a week later or whatever, the publicist 
rang up my boss and was like, Sarah is so upset. She really loved the interview, but then felt that Eleanor took a deeply unfeminist <gasps> angle of making it all about, um, what, you know, the work that women might have done and the aesthetics oh God, of Hollywood. that's so unfortunate, isn't it? That yeah. what you thought was a feminist take actually then was rendered as anti-women I know the subject but also it's like Christ. well if you talk about something at great lengths then you know that's... did she just not even want to have her name associated to talking about women having work done yeah I think maybe she was embarrassed I think actually is, mm. is what happened I think also she wasn't that famous then it was like her first big role and then she's saying that she's worried that people aren't going to cast her in Hollywood because she is too old like I think she was quite offended actually that she was cast as Connell's mother Oh, how old is she? I think she was only like 36 or something. And obviously Connell's like... Well, he's only meant to be about 16, isn't he? And in fairness to the book, she's meant to be a very young mother. So she's 39. When I interviewed her, I think she was probably 37. I think, but she was... I remember her saying she was a bit offended that she's constantly getting cast in like mother roles. I mean, that's super annoying, isn't it? And this is yeah. a major issue for women. You're either essentially the teenage daughter, the early 20s hot love interest... Or you're the motherly shrew. Yes. And there's nothing in between. Exactly. We touched on that last week, didn't we? We did. But as a general societal issue as well. You're either too young or too old. I keep, I know that age gaps, we seem to keep talking about it. But now every time I see, you know, ex-male celebrity is now dating someone, they're always 20 years younger. You know, Bradley Cooper and Gigi Hadid. Yes. But he likes the younger woman. Case in point, when he was with Suki Waterhouse. Oh, you're right. What about Arena Shake? Oh yeah, she was closer to she his was age. Closer to his age. But even now, as we just touched upon, Bianca and Kanye, she's 29 and he's in his 40s. He's 46 or something, isn't he? Goodness me. But, bit of good news, I do keep seeing in the Times and stuff, women writing either anonymous pieces or being interviewed saying that they have never had so much attention from young men as they are now in their 40s Yeah, and 50s. it's like an era of the cougar, isn't it? It's a cougar era, it's my era, as we yeah. know. <laughs> Do you know what I was actually flicking through literally this morning as well? Aaron Taylor Johnson's <gasps> holiday pictures from he and Sam's New Year's trip in Jamaica. Yes. They look very happy. And Madonna has got a little toy boy, doesn't she? She does. Love it. Love it. I'm here for it. I love hearing about women's sexual liberation in their 40s and 50s. I mean, that's still young, by the way. Long may it continue well into their 90s. Exactly. If, yeah. So back to Michelle Keegan. Back to Michelle Keegan. <laughs> After that little tangent, I have to say she is brilliant mm. in Fool Me Once. She has absolutely proven any remaining soap-hating doubters wrong. Interestingly, though, she does say in the Guardian piece that she has real imposter syndrome. I mean, I know everyone always says that, but with her, I'm like, I actually do get it. And I thought what was quite telling is she does root that specifically to class. So she says... I've always thought I had to act and speak a particular way. I didn't want people to look down on me, but there are so many great actors now who come from working class backgrounds who represent people like me, like Jodie Comer and Stephen Graham. They're so comfortable and so proud of who they are. They've helped me realize that I don't have to change my accent when I go into these rooms. Great. Really great. And you so, love Stephen Graham. I am obsessed with I Stephen need Graham. to watch Boiling Point the <gasps> series. I still haven't. Cathers, you're going to love it. Okay. You're going to absolutely love it. Oh my God, I'm excited. Particularly because we watched Boiling Point Together the film on the, on, the, on the train, plane, sorry. Um, well, that's fascinating. Okay, I'm going to go and watch it then. Am I going to like it? So my friends said it was mental. They were like, I can't believe how mad it is. It is quite wild and it touches on very relevant topics. Okay. And I won't say too much, but from technology 
to the military and the fallout of recent wars that okay. Britain's been involved in. Mm-hmm. It covers a lot. <gasps> on the topic of military and technology, I Go think on. you would love the capture. Have you seen Ooh. it yet? I don't know if I have. It's um, a BBC show starring Papa Esadu, who I always think is amazing. No, and it's I all about I a company that is able to digitally like edit live footage. Wow. And, like, oh my God, deep, that's so my yeah, kind of thing. And deep fake, like perfects deep fake technology to the point where they're using people's likenesses like to do interviews on the news, like hired by the government. God, how have I not seen this? Got, I think you would love it so much. This is the blurb on BBC. Can you really believe what you see? An ambitious young DCI enters the terrifying world of deepfake technology as the fabric of reality starts to fray. Yeah, it's, and it's so me. And it, and, and it's, it oh God, generates exciting. so many interesting <gasps> conversations. Yeah, because you're like, oh my God, we will get to a situation where we can't even trust a newsreader on BBC because they could be deepfake. But this is a real issue. <gasps> okay, love it. I am 100% going to watch that. Everyone go and watch it and then report back here. The final thing I will say on Michelle Keegan is do go and have a look at her home account, which she shares with Mark Wright Aww. at Righty Home. I have to say, I didn't know they shared anything like that because I've always assumed she was someone that was protecting her privacy. But it in fact charts the build of their grand mansion, their £3.5 million grand mansion in Essex. It is just, it's quite epic. And you know, we like a bit of property porn. We do like a bit of property porn. Unpopular, very toxic opinion, but... Isn't this the kind of thing that she shouldn't be having if she wants to be taken more seriously? Oh, totally. I do agree with you. There was one picture I clicked on and the house looks slightly absurd. Like it's this huge, huge mansion. I'll just show you this. Oh, wow. So she's posted this photo, guys, of like one of her dogs having a morning walk, but the house looms very large in the background. It looks like a huge country hotel. And literally the top comment is, why do you feel the need to show off to the world? Just keep your good fortune to yourself. No thought to those that are struggling in the world. People can't afford to pay their bills and can't afford food through no fault of their own. How do you think this makes them feel? I'm like, oh, that is... Yeah, but then also it's like the people who are like, are so poor that they can't afford afford like running water are not on Instagram checking Michelle Keegan's like house building anyway. (laughs) And it's kind of what we were saying about the sick of myself. It's like the, I I hate this word because it sounds like oppression isn't a real thing when obviously it is, but the oppression Olympics online, performative oppression. And I mean, everything is so relative to the point where like you could... You could be like, I'm dying of cancer, but I, at least I still have my home and I haven't been, you know, I haven't lost my entire family. Yeah. Like it's, you can keep going and keep going. It's a sliding scale. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely ignoring all the comments clearly and has continued to sort of shamelessly post mansion renovation updates. So clearly isn't worrying her too much. I mean, I just don't, the journalist in me is thinking why? So yeah, so it's called Mark and Michelle, follow us while we create our dream home. And they've got 606,000 followers. Are they doing it for like spawn stuff? Are they getting free furniture? I don't know. Cause I did, I did have a little look through. What's and I couldn't for them? See... Ah, I can see an ad. Oh. Mark Wright, hashtag ad Vuba. Oh, there we go. So Vuba res, resin products work. Yeah, resin, resin for our rear driveway. So they're using it to get free shit. It does also spurn a lot of tabloid stories. So updates about the house have featured in the Sun, in the Daily Mail. There'll be stories about their Christmas decorations, their trouble choosing the right shade of white. And it's like, well, she's obviously not that uncomfortable with the attention. Right. Then. So is she literally got a, after all that that she said, she's literally using her home decor page to actually <laughs> get more headlines in the tabloids. But then there's this very strange bit in the piece that I think really speaks to this whole thing. I'm going to quote it directly. Talking about the house, Keegan suddenly starts to cry. Mid-build, 
I was filming in Australia, she said, the BBC historical drama, £10 Poms, and I hadn't seen the house for months. And when I walked in, Mark had lit all the candles and I couldn't speak for five minutes. He was like, what do you think? Worried, anxious, this was a project he'd been working on since 2020. I just couldn't find the words to say how I felt because I was so overwhelmed. I just burst out crying. She apologises, pushing away the tears. It still gets me emotional because we've worked really hard for it. We've had to make a lot of sacrifices. I've missed lots of milestones in my life due to work. Mark went to LA and we spent months apart, which was hard, but it's worth it. She takes a breath and sips her coffee. And the house, it's also about security because you never know when this is all going to end. So that says to me that the house is kind of symbolic or emblematic of her entire success and status. Yes. They're like incredibly proud of it. And I of get course. That. However, a bit tone deaf still there. A bit tone deaf, a bit annoying. And also every single post I go on now is um, an ad. Ooh, <laughs> Granite Labs UK. How great. And it's like a slab of marble with Michelle Keegan. Like we have spent hours choosing our different piece of marble. Okay. Thank you. So Hashtag PR product. It was literally a ploy just to get a house done up for free. Can't really. you fucking pay for it? Like surely, surely they've, they've got, got the money to pay for it. I think this is really actually deeply annoying. That's a slightly different spin on much of those quotes that I've read out from the Guardian interview, doesn't it? Let's face it. <laughs> Literally every post is like hashtag PR product or like hashtag every single ads. possible post. Especially when you've got this narrative about stepping back from the tabloids and having real privacy around your relationship and your life. Mm, is it that private? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're literally showing us pictures of your toilet. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually really funny. Um, However, I must say, it does seem like it's maybe more Mark Wright's personal Instagram because it's lots of pictures of him. Yes. So maybe Michelle doesn't feel that comfortable. They've definitely got a partnership with Granite Slab UK, is all I'm telling you. (laughs) Investigative journalism just took place live. It did. Dear me. I do think it's quite interesting because she also does touch on happiness and it really did remind me of an excellent diary of a CEO, Stephen Bartlett, which I listened to recently. Yes. I dipped off a bit with those. Yes, what are we thinking about about. him? So I listened to the new one with Alain de Botton. Yes. Loved it. It's all about, you know, he's the kind of philosopher of love. He's like the ultimate modern day philosopher and he talks a lot about happiness and it's fascinating and quite relevant to some of Michelle Keegan's quotes because she says when asked how she feels about fame, I find it odd how people want it. Is it the recognition they want? Is it the adoration? Is it that they think fame equals money? I find that really interesting. Goes on to explain that she was chatting to two lads from Brassic, which is Sky's most successful comedy series in years in which Michelle Keegan plays a single man. And she says, chatting to these actors, they talked about, are we happier than our friends? One's an accountant, one's a banker, one's a teacher. I'm happy with my life, she says, but I'm definitely not happier. Mm. Which I thought was quite fascinating because we do put famous people on a pedestal and we do have this weird idea that it makes you a more fulfilled, happy person. Actually, again, not rocket science, but it's, as you said also, a sliding scale. It's a slight, exactly. It's subjective. So well, that's that on Fool Me Once because otherwise I'm just getting into spoiler territory. Go and watch it. You're all going to love it. If you don't, then that in itself is an interesting point. So please let us know Please why. DM us. We've been having some great DMs recently. Well, we have. Uh, really good ones on age gaps. Yes. Keep them coming, guys. On the topic of age gaps, oh, yeah. did you see that the guy who's 
story formed the biographical basis for May December, <gasps> the film you talked about last week, yes. has commented. Yes, I did. I was it was annoying because it came out just on the day of the episode. Dropped, I know. So. I thought of you as soon as I, I saw know. it and then I was like, I will not send it to her because she will have already seen it. I saw it. <laughs> so um yes, he said he was offended because the the production never got in touch with him. And he said it was particularly uh, egregious because literally they use like the front covers of the tabloid scandal at the time. Like the actual, oh. they used like actual pictures they, of that. Real yeah. life photographs of him are actually featured. On the, on the um, newspapers, I guess. I'm surprised that they, they could do yeah. that. And apparently they actually lift a bit of dialogue from an interview he and Marie Kay Letonor gave at the time as well. Because I do think there's a point of like, okay, look, if it's Lucy inspired um the, the production don't have to go and interview the real people that was very loosely inspired by but if you're lifting yes. bits of dialogue from real interviews and using the actual tabloids from the time then you should let him know at least all goes back to the thorny issue of crime reporting yes and as we got so into last week and taking people's stories without their consent yeah I can't wait for you to go and watch it and then let me know what you think I'm really excited I'm going to watch it yes. in the next few days and I will report back Okay, so finally, Cathers, we have been dying to debrief on Tomorrow, Tomorrow and Tomorrow. The incredible book by Gabrielle Zevin. I think it was, in fact, the best-selling paperback of 2023. Yes, it's had quite a... Um, paperback novel. Sleeper. It's become a bit of a sleeper it's hit. A sleeper hit. Yeah. Everyone's heard of it now, haven't they? It's one of those covers that people are like, oh, that book. Yeah, I've seen that. So Tomorrow yes. and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, if you don't know, guys, is a kind of, it's also a kind of coming of age tale, isn't it? A friendship story. The novel follows the relationship between two friends who begin a successful video game company together. What's fascinating is that she's charting the history of video games through the narrative, isn't she? Yes. So it covers decades. Yes, and Gabrielle Zavant is a keen gamer herself. And what's interesting is there aren't that many novels, I certainly haven't read any, um, that really pay tribute to the art and the beauty of video games because they're so they get so much bad press that this really takes them seriously as an art form. Yeah, and I think that's why it was a sleeper hit because yeah. everyone that reads this and recommends it has some kind of caveat, which is like, by the way, I'm not interested in video games, but I was interested in this. So yes. it's very much a book that's for people that don't really know anything about video games. You don't have to be interested in it. And as you say, it really presents it as a very like beautiful art form an Absolutely. intellectual art form one that's like really really rooted in like philosophy and storytelling and quite complicated moral issues she actually says herself in an interview video games are a form of literature in terms of it being a constructed and organized world that you can experience as a text we should say the reason that we're actually bringing this up today is because there's been a huge news story doing the rounds in the last week about a girl who was allegedly raped in the metaverse so British police are investigating the case of a minor who was allegedly subjected to a virtual gang rape. Really interesting. Yeah, because I think one of the big themes in Tomorrow, Tomorrow and Tomorrow is um, Sam. So one of the protagonists desire to build a better alternate moral world. Where, it's about virtual utopias. Yes, exactly. And um, he said... He actually, Gabrielle Zavan writes in the book, it is not an inevitability that we should be our worst selves behind the mask of an avatar. What I believe to my very core is that virtual worlds can be better than the actual world. They can be more moral, more just, more progressive, more empathetic and more accommodating of difference. And if they can be, shouldn't they be? So one of the games that Sam and Sadie create is called Pioneers. It's based on an old school game called the Oregon Trail, which apparently was very big in the 80s, kind of before our time. 
Gabrielle Zevin has said in an interview that those kids, the people that were born in the late 70s, early 80s, her generation are the Oregon Trail generation and they were the first generation to grow up on video, video games. Mm. So she says what was interesting to her was how if you've used video games as a narrative experience for your entire life, how does that change your expectation of life itself? Very interesting. And the name Tomorrow, Tomorrow and Tomorrow actually has kind of two meanings or two references. So it's a Macbeth quote. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And it's about... So it's a Macbeth quote, but it's also a gaming reference to the fact that in games you never actually die. Yes. So it's this possibility of infinite rebirth, of infinite redemption. But also, and this is the Macbeth reference, the futility and relentlessness of life. Yes. And I think Zevin says, you know... uh, what, after all, is a video game subtextual preoccupation, if not the erasure of mortality? Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And actually what I meant to say before and then got completely off tangent was that one of the games they create is Pioneers, which is this kind of... It's like um like a farming game, like a simple yes. build society games. And again, I'm not going to give too much away as to why they even designed that game in the first place, but pioneers becomes this kind of virtual utopia where same-sex marriage has become a very dividing political issue at the time. And they allow for same-sex marriage within the game as a kind of antidote to the bigotry that's going on in the real world. Yes. However, that then has real-world implications for the people that design the game. So it's not without cost. Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. I think for me, um, the big, that what was really touching as I read the book was all the quotes about friendship and also forgiveness. So Sadie and Sam are these two childhood friends and um, Sadie does something that Sam feels is kind of completely... Uh, unforgivable uh and that so they don't speak for each other to each other for six years but then they rekindle the friendship and then there's this really moving bit where she i think sadie says promise we won't ever do that again promise me you'll always forgive me and i'll prom- and i promise i'll always forgive you which i found really moving because the idea yes. of just like forgive i mean obviously and does sadie stick to it well what i would like to say is i found sadie to be quite a dick I found them both quite insufferable in many ways. But still compelling as characters, which I think speaks to the excellence of the writing, that you don't have to really like the protagonists. Exactly. still really enjoy the book and really admire them as like artists. It's quite meta, isn't it, in terms of creating worlds? It is. And also for anyone who's been in a fight with a friend, I, I found their bickering and their fight so realistic. The fact that they're completely misinterpreting each other's 
uh, what the other thinks of them which yeah. I think is when you whenever you have a big fight with someone essentially it's your own insecurities color like projections what, ex- projections yes. exactly and you think that people are thinking this of you and that's why you've taken what they've said to be about this or whatever and it's that constant miscommunication between them which I yeah. felt so relatable I really um, liked that and you never I think we were talking about this off air like you never c- can take a side because they're they're both right, right and, wrong. and wrong in yeah. different ways yeah I thought that and was there's really so funny. much um, miscommunication. Yeah, like a lot of the troubles within their friendship actually are just underpinned by a small miscommunication. Interestingly, though, when I was looking in on Reddit, because I loved the book, but um, I loved it. It was one of my favorite books I read last same. year. Same, but there was a big Reddit uh, subreddit on why it was actually really bad. Oh, interesting. And one of the issues was I hate any sort of story that could be resolved with the characters simply communicating better. Oh, I don't because I think it's quite true of life. Yeah, I do. Like the amount of shit that's hit the fan because people just didn't properly communicate. Exactly. No, I do. I think, I mean, it's interesting how much criticism it got um, on this Reddit thread. For instance, um, the there's one one of the themes is Sadie is in a toxic relationship with yeah. another gamer and they... I mean, that brings also age gaps into question as oh, he is her lecturer at university. Yes. And he... Power dynamics. Exactly. And it's framed as quite violent BDSM that's not necessarily consensual on Sadie's part. Yeah. It's but like an abusive relationship for sure. It is, but it never spells it out. And this Reddit person said that sexual abuse is underplayed as BDSM, which I actually thought was not necessarily fair because I think... No, I disagree. I think yeah. it makes it very clear that it's abuse. But it shows her experience at the time in of real not time. Even realizing it. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's with hindsight that she recognizes it as abuse. And I think as well that we, I think you expect a certain level of emotional intelligence from the reader and you don't necessarily need to spell everything out and be yeah. like, and this is abuse, by the way. It's very clear that it I think is. It's very clear. I actually disagree with that commenter. I also did. And then there was another comment that said that Sam, so Sam at one point is accused when his game hits the the big time of cultural appropriation because he's Korean but Ishigo his game is influenced by Japanese art and culture and so a lot of interviewers are like is this not cultural appropriation and he has this big kind of rant about cultural appropriation which I thought was quite interesting I'm not going to read it all out now because it's it's very long but he's basically saying that like what so if I made a game that was influenced by Korean culture that would be fine even though actually I know nothing about Korean culture I'm as much a stranger in that to culture as to Japanese exactly so he's like but for some reason that's fine for you because on paper I understand it there's a lot of commentary on art itself isn't there and that's what I really liked about the book it's a kind of philosophical look at the creation of art and Sam and Sadie each kind of represent a different version of success in that they have different opinions on what is great. Yeah. So for Sadie, art is great. For Sam, commercial success is great. Yes. And that's a very interesting dynamic that's explored, I think. I also think that for Sam, he just wants to build games with his best friend. And I don't think, and Sadie has too many insecurities for that to be enough. Yeah. Because I think for him, he just wants to build with her. He wants to be working with her. Because actually also you know, it comes to light that he's actually secretly in love with her. Yes, which in a way makes it quite strange to talk about it as a book that focuses on platonic friendship because it's actually also like an unrequited love tale. Yeah, so for him building games for Sadie or with Sadie is... His like love language. Exactly. So it's much more meaningful to him. Do you know, fun fact, it's actually Gabrielle Zevin's 10th novel. 
Well, I actually find that really reassuring. So I'm like, thank God. Like, it takes a while. It takes a while. Yeah. It's going to be made into a film by Paramount. I'm very excited for that. Very interesting. What I thought was fascinating, Zevin says this in an interview with Wired. And to me, this is what captured the brilliance of the tale in terms of technology, art, and how we've developed over the last kind of 40, 50 years. She said, we're very affected by tech, we know this, but there are very few places where you can visually see the evidence of this change as easily as video games. Look at Pong in the 70s, with the extreme minimalism of two lines and two dots, compared to where the book ends in about 2012. You get to games that have real cinema quality graphics and storytelling experience, something like The Last of Us. The Last of Us obviously being the iconic uh, zombie game that spurned a HBO series, which features none other than Padre Pascal and Bella Ramsey, one of my favorite things I watched last year. I'd never thought about games in that way, but they do perfectly capture and illustrate the technological change that's gone on, even just in mine and yours lifetime. I mean, what games were you playing as a kid? Were you on the PC? I was on PC playing Tintin, Harry Potter, Animal Hospital. I had like a Barbie riding school game, which I loved. And I also had, do you remember the Magic School Bus? Yes. It was like an inter... But I don't um, remember it was a game. Sorry, an educational... It was oh. a program that also had a game that was educational and you'd go on the magic school bus and it would shrink down and then you'd go inside the human body. Oh, But it was wow. so basic compared with... I remember my cousins had a Sega and they played Sonic the Hedgehog on it. Like, and now you have games that have all differing storylines and you can literally make A-B choices which then dictate the trajectory of your character. We've got NPCs, like... Yes. Non-player characters. You know, these like virtual worlds now are so complicated. I mean, I don't even game. It actually made me kind of want a game though. Did yes, it, it made me want a game. Yeah. Made me really want a game. So going back to the news story, do we think that what happens in a virtual world can be as oh, important it's such a as difficult one. the real I'm really world? I'm torn on this because in one way, no. Like you can see why haters are like, oh, just take the headset off. If, or like, why can't you run away? But I also think actually that does a disservice to the kind of principle here. And I can see why the police are taking it seriously. I'm really glad they are. Even though it does seem a bit like, okay, well, only 6% of rape cases in this country even go to trial. So how about we focus on real world rapes yes. first? I could see that argument. I can but see actually, that. I think the real tipping point that is that we're at and the reason that it matters now is because at the end of the day, if we teach people that in these virtual worlds, like the metaverse, you can sexually assault people, what's the knock-on effect? Like what, and, and also obviously this girl being a minor as well is definitely relevant. Yes. If we don't set very strong boundaries around this now, then what's like the evolution? Like how do we stop this kind of behavior? A, tipping over into the real world, especially now we're seeing such a rise in online misogyny and that's having very real world consequences. I remember even when Siri was like a new thing, everyone was like, if you shout or swear at Siri, then that's like really problematic because you're teaching children that's okay to talk to normal, like real people like that. Yeah, and this is the big issue with AI now. AI are our children. We must teach them kindly. That's Mo Gardat's whole thing. AI is literally learning from us. Every chatbot, everything, it learns what we feed it. And so the future of AI as a kind of, benevolent or malevolent force depends on what it takes in based on what we teach it now such a good point i also do think there are some people say who might spend the majority of their waking lives in the metaverse because it's better for them they prefer it so what what is their reality then if you spend eight out of your 12 waking hours in the metaverse and isn't that your primary reality actually so i was reading an opinion piece by nancy joe sales about this and there's a very 
scary stat in there where she says that the next generation of kids will spend an estimated 10 years in virtual reality over the course of their lifetimes. So that'll be about three hours a day. That's what new research is suggesting. So yes, they're going to be there a lot of the time. I also think this recent rape is like a test for the UK's new online safety bill, Mm. which is only a year old set of laws that have been implemented to protect children and adults online. Yes. Some experts have expressed concerns that the bill doesn't go far enough, focusing more on the content users publish rather than their actions. But we'll see, I guess. I think this is a real tipping point in terms of how seriously we treat assault in the virtual world isn't it definitely and i think it's really easy for people to be really snooty and be like well they shouldn't be so long in the metaverse and they should take the headset off but like the real world is so fucking depressing like i have such empathy for kids who don't want to be in the current reality right now like it's awful for a lot of kids it's dark and depressing and they may not might not have friends and or they might be disabled or something and therefore in the metaverse that's where they can truly um exist in the way they want to like we can't look down on that and just tell them to take it off. But what is scary is that Meta have a notoriously like bad track record when it comes to protecting children and teenagers. Yes. So in 2021, a whistleblower, Francis Horgan, revealed that Facebook's own internal research showed how using Instagram, which obviously Meta yeah. own, adversely affects teen girls' confidence and body image. In October of last year, a bipartisan coalition of 33 attorneys general filed a lawsuit against Meta in California, alleging that Facebook and Instagram are responsible for a national youth mental health crisis. So we can't rely on the companies to safeguard. No, absolutely not. not. It needs to come from lawmakers. So interestingly, I actually wrote about this in 2018 for the Sunday Times. Wild. Really weird. This is the first time I've reread it. How ahead of the curve you really were. So, very on theme, it's the the title is called Sexism, Lies, and Video Games Being a Woman in the Virtual World. Um, I actually cannot believe you wrote that like six, like five, six years ago. Yes. And it's about cyber groping and rape threats. And it opens with me being cyber groped and how I'm using an Oculus Rift headset and moving around a room and a male avatar. Uh, dressed in a suit presses himself up against my avatar and I jump back in shock so but how what did it feel like how did you jump back in shock like how did you know that another avatar was touching you because you can see it so you yeah you can you, you, you I guess you feel like you are your avatar and it's come right up to you got it so um no you can't feel anything in terms of like your body but like you are like your mind's eye I guess is your avatar you're like immersed yeah. into the avatar's reality so you feel that you are inhabiting that so there's obviously the visual shock of someone just suddenly coming really close to you in the screen but yeah I suppose as an extension um did you actually feel no I didn't no I didn't I I didn't feel violated but had you put yourself in that scenario for this piece so therefore your brain was obviously approaching it in a different way than if you were just like a metaverse user exactly um but it was the piece was in relation to the fact that that April so April 2018 A survey, a 600-person survey, showed that almost 50% of women who engaged in social virtual reality spaces are sexually harassed, from verbal abuse to groping your avatar by another avatar, being beaten by mundane objects, or having rubbish bins placed on your head. I mean, Sadie in Tomorrow, Tomorrow, and Tomorrow captures a lot of this problem of extreme sexism in the video game world, doesn't she? Yes, yes, exactly. And how hard it is to actually be a female gamer. Um, I think what's really difficult, and I remember, in, I'm just scrolling down, I remember interviewing a lawyer for this and they said, uh, because without evidence, if it's virtual, there is no evidence. And in a criminal case, you need evidence. You need to prove 
the assault happened and you can't really do that in the virtual world because are there witnesses is there physical evidence and obviously without that i don't know how they would be able to prosecute surely if it happened in the metaverse there'd be some kind of screen recording type thing somewhere that could be used as evidence in this exact scenario that we're talking about where the british yes. are investigating it yes there must exactly. be evidence to even look into in exactly this case and also, I think, obviously, this is 2018. So this is like five years ago. Obviously, it's, it's got wild way more. technology has actually come ahead. It's like you weren't even, the metaverse hadn't, wasn't even a whisper at that point. So you were very ahead of the curve. I was. But I can imagine that particularly if I, and I don't game, so I actually don't know, but you, could, you use headsets, right? You can hear people's voices. Where did you get the idea for the piece from? It was, I saw, um, I saw the study. I saw the news of the study about how um, it was this woman called Jessica Outlaw had published this study of how 50% of American women had been virtually harassed. So I spoke to many women um, who were using VR and uh, headsets to be in the virtual reality. And they were all experiencing death and rape threats and that it was rising. And I think the reason it's so um, immersive is that you're wearing a headset that allows you to hear real people's voices. You know, yeah. it's not just an avatar that's like moving Some around silence. fake friendly cartoon voice yeah you, an actual person you, yeah so someone is actually shouting rape and death threats at you which oh. how is that actually different to someone shouting it in the street in the street a stranger yeah um and so one woman told me that um a guy screamed down the microphone that he was going to rape me he followed me from server to server oh. he then found her address on the electoral roll <gasps> no, that's really scary and posted it repeatedly in the chat uh, and she had to go to the police. Because, yeah, that has such real-world consequences. That isn't just one avatar bumping up against another avatar. Like, that is actual stalking. That is, exactly. It's going from the virtual world to the real world. Like, and I guess that's leaking. why this whole thing is such a landmark moment. Because if we let this slide, then what does that say in terms of protecting the vulnerable moving forward that we don't care? Exactly. Yeah, I think tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow definitely captures the kind of casual violence mm. that can be so endemic in gaming, isn't it? And it's actually part of Sam and Sadie's mission to make games that aren't shooters, as they call them. Because people do feel very funny about the impact that virtual violence in shooting games has had on the real world. And yes. I think perhaps that's why a lot of people are worried now. Even the Daily Mail, by the way, is pro-prosecution here with the virtual yeah, rape. And I would have thought that the Daily Mail would be oh it's all a little woke time wastery and actually they had a senior police officer familiar with the case speak to them and he even said there's an emotional and psychological impact on the victim that's longer term than any physical inju in injuries and that's as you said the immersive quality of the metaverse experience makes it all the more difficult for a child especially to distinguish between what's real and what's make-believe yeah absolutely also um even with the thing about our shooter games actually encouraging violence i saw i think maybe it was evan herself who said it's not so much that it's the problem with video games is it encourages like a hero mindset yeah which can be really toxic particularly for men yeah. Um, but to end on something more positive, what I found really moving about the way it talks about video games is the intimacy and vulnerability required to play with someone else and yeah. how it goes back to your inner child. There's a quote that says, maybe it was the willingness to play that hinted at a tender, eternally newborn part in all humans. Maybe it was the willingness to play that kept one from despair. I love that. I love that she celebrates play. Yeah, I love that. Because I sometimes wish, sometimes I'm like, oh, I want kids because I just want to be able to go and like, be a kid myself well, people again. People do say that that's one of the best yeah. things about having children is that you really engage with your inner, inner child. child and you're really reminded of games you played and just things that you haven't even thought about for decades all come to the fore again. Well, I do notice that when, pe when people are starting to fall in love, I think you often see it as they 
revert to being kids. They like play fight and yeah, they're really silly like with silly. each other. And like, there must be linked to the pure emotions of love and like the pure emotion of just being a kid and like wonder yeah. and like new experiences. Oh, so I love that. It reminds me of whiling away many a hour on The Sims. Did you do that? Yes, I did. Although I was just... with friends and you'd sit next to each other and take turns to design your characters in the house because obviously only one person could play at a time. And um, micro pets. See, I didn't really have micro pets. Oh, the not? Sims was a really big one for me. Really big. I loved The Sims. People still play. Marlon actually bought it for me on Xbox to see if I'd like it to try and get me back into gaming after I finished this book. Yeah. And I was like, God, I've just got a real hunger to game. It wasn't the same on Xbox. I was, was like, I just cannot play this. Oh. If you are into gaming stories as well, I just want to give the Tetris movie a <gasps> shout out. Yes. Because I watched it the other day and I have to say I very, very much enjoyed and didn't expect to. So it's on Apple TV and it stars Taron Egerton as the US businessman Hank Rogers, who basically discovered Tetris. Tetris was a game created by Russia in the late 1980s. And the film is a biographical thriller that is based on the true events around the race to license and patent the video game around the world when it was like kind of owned by the Russian government. I mean, I'm butchering that. I would just say go away and watch it. It's really fascinating in terms of technology. I think in the same way that you've just mentioned, I was looking at best films of 2023. What haven't I seen yet? And it came Uh, up a lot. It's brilliant. And also quite on brand for us because it looks at media power players, I suppose Mm. as well. There's a very interesting portrayal of the Maxwells. So Robert Maxwell and his son, Kevin Maxwell, CEO of Mirasoft, which was their billion pound media empire. So I'm sure you recognize that name. From Ghislaine. Yeah, father and brother of Ghislaine. Uh. Obviously, Robert Maxwell died under suspicious circumstances, having been disgraced. Yes. And done for fraud, among many other things. It's just fascinating, particularly, and this is a side note, but have you seen Ghislaine trying to like pink pussy hat her way out of jail? Yes. I. There's I- only one woman who's being held responsible for the crimes of men against women. And it's me. That's essentially what she's like trying to say. I'm like, absolutely not, hun, don't try it. I mean, the whole leaked Epstein list was wild. Wild. Stephen Hawking. I know. I'm sorry. We just must touch on that very quickly. Like, what? What? Stephen Hawking's orgies with underage girls. I didn't know that much about him. And since seeing that, I've gone on a bit of a deep dive he did actually leave his wife for his nurse who was like 20 something years in his junior and said that she was a manic, she had manic depression and he claims that that was one of the things he liked about her. He wanted to like fix her. Like it was all just very questionable. Oh, classic toxic man. Yeah, he clearly is a wrong un. Oh my God. Can everyone just bloody date their own age group for a second, please? Also, <laughs> and I do not want us to face legal action of any sort, but I am going to quickly touch upon Naomi Campbell being named. Well, well, you know, there's been lots of things. Yes. And I told yes. you recently mm. off air, didn't I, about a TikTok that I saw yes. with a young male model who claimed on a podcast, if you want to see this, just look up, look it up on TikTok, you'll find it claims that he will not model until Naomi Campbell is held to account for her human trafficking. So this model alleges that Naomi Campbell is a very well-known human trafficker. And this was pre the Epstein. And she hasn't commented on it. No. She hasn't even denied it. And he says, anyone that has met Naomi will be able to attest to the fact that she has a dark energy. So I remember meeting a group of models outside the NED once and they were all very, very negative about Naomi. And when you met her, did you feel a dark energy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
yes to be fair yeah (laughs) I did not human trafficking kind but um certainly she was not a easy person to deal with wasn't a ray of sunshine I did not and positivity um, no but then again neither was Skepta no one's accusing him of human trafficking um they were both difficult but they were both difficult in the fact that they were both they were both giving I'm famous get me out of here I'm a celebrity get me out (laughs) just butchering the most famous quote ever I'm a celebrity get me out of here it was just like two divas bouncing off against each other in the worst way okay so I can't say I saw like a malevolent evil force it was more like oh for fuck's sake it was was it Naomi or Skepta who was concerned about possible Harvey Weinstein illusions if they were to yes. be interviewed in their dressing gowns on the bed? It was Skepta, to be fair, who had the foresight to think that considering Harvey Weinstein and his dressing gown was all over the papers, him being in a hotel room in his dressing, in his dressing gown. gown was not a great look. And Naomi that was a sensible choice. Yes, and Naomi was like, no, we need the dressing gown because she had this whole vision for how she wanted to shoot the main his mains underwear brand also it's his underwear surely he should have creative control (laughs) but as i've said before in the podcast but i'll say it again it was very interesting how controlling she was to the point where he asked for a certain bottle of water and then naomi went no give that one back junior will have evian and made the person whoever was handing out the water change the kind of water he was about to drink also i think you've mentioned this on the podcast before but it is perhaps my favorite favorite celebrity anecdote of yours of all time she didn't like the reception that she received when she entered the room so she redid her entrance did she not? yes so firstly when she first entered i remember the paul solomons we've talked about on the uh, podcast before former ex of kylie minogue being like director of gq at the time oh sorry god just (laughs) treating him like (laughs) a woman there yeah uh he was like stand up um so he made me stand up to greet Naomi which I think is a bit extra do you need to stand up to like when she's not even gonna go and say hello to me anyway and I'm nobody but whatever um so we all had to stand up and then she kicked off about the shoot and all these various things and then because she'd it had started on such a negative note and she'd essentially just annihilated us all for like 10 minutes (laughs) she then was like let me do that again and left the room shut the door reopened it and reintroduced herself and went hi I'm Naomi. Imagine if that I'd replied being like, hi, I'm Eleanor. It's no true. one was meant to reply to her. It was all for performance. It's unhinged. And also it's like, we've been sitting and you're like already five hours late. We unfortunately are so well acquainted with who you are. We would like you to actually leave. Oh, oh my goodness. That is a brilliant note to end on. I would say a brilliant note. Guys, we will we will recycle our anecdotes till we're red in the face because that's exactly what Stephen Bartlett does and it's working for him. He does. It works very well for Stephen. <laughs> True say. Oh, yes. I've heard more about his partner's breath work than I have <laughs> about his own business acumen. I've heard more about his partner coming in whilst he's in the shower to ask oh about God, banana, banana fuel. <laughs> No shade to Hugh. They are a former partner of this very podcast. Stephen Bartlett follows me on Twitter. <gasps> oh, yeah. We did DM him once and he did not reply. He did not reply. <laughs> Damn it. He's actually my friend's boss. My friend's PR yes. company was acquired by his company, Flight Story. My brother went to a marketing expo kind of thing recently, a digital marketing thing, and Stephen was there. And apparently it was quite culty in the way that we said Diary of a CEO Live was. My brother said that these people came into the room before Stephen entered and made everyone clap and go, Stephen! And then they were <gasps> going, Stephen! Bartlett! Stephen! <laughs> Bartlett! I'm serious. Angus honestly said it was the craziest thing he's ever seen. And they were trying to drum up this like 
almost ecclesiastical support for Stephen so that he could walk in like head down like thank you thank you thank you as he went up to the stage to sort of do his keynotes. Cathers when he came on with his fake prop briefcase oh on stage. Oh my god. Stephen as... Van Dyke over there. Yeah and also like getting again just like what is it with men just like wielding their girlfriends as if they're just props but yeah his girlfriend having to like be part of the oh show. Oh my god when they like do heart confetti at the end and they're like Stephen's life is complete now he has real love in his life and then they pan up to where his girlfriend sat yeah. and even wheeling in his former business partner turned like drug addict to I've for like his like rehab say, story I've always found that a little bit questionable does Don McGregor mind you you using his addiction story as the part of your live show yeah like it's a bit much but you should get a cut of the someone uh... else's story there and it's kind of what we've been saying as part of the uh, episode with sick of myself the whole branding of trauma yes. for commercial gain and using real people as props exactly as per bianca sensori everything fits so well together it's like we planned <sighs> this or <geniuses>. something <laughs> guys as always please please let us know your thoughts let us know what you'd like to talk about next time we are going to cover priscilla we promise we just need to both see it well we also need a, a break from um pedophilia for a little bit we do we thought we would just try and touch on some lighter topics this week and then somehow still ended up at human trafficking and break. virtual abuse oh my god so sorry about that we will try and find more light-hearted topics but guys the world's a damn dark place just is <sighs> for something more cheery Go and watch um, Past Lives, such a good romantic film that I think is going to win the Oscar. It's a Korean film. It's beautiful. Really, really beautiful. All about um, unfulfilled desire, but in the most lovely way. Oh, love that. Maybe we'll talk about it more when you see it and we can talk about our own unfulfilled desires. If anyone would like a hangover style reco. Oh, yeah. Most people probably are doing dry jan. So for anyone that saw the very standard Christmas film Your Christmas or Mine last oh, year yeah. featuring Asa Butterfield and Lucian Laviscount that Laviscount oh god Laviscount oh, Laviscount know. you know what I mean so there has in fact been a sequel Your Christmas or Mine 2 where the couple spend their second Christmas as a couple alongside the original cast and it is beautifully rubbish well, and you watched that in January, did you? I did. Well, that is deeply... I didn't know it had come out yet until <laughs> a few days ago. Well, Cathers, whatever floats your boat, if you want to uh, keep the festive period plodding alive. <laughs> I also, over the weekend, paid £3.25 to watch the film Andre about the seal on Amazon because that was one of my childhood favourites. But you know when you rewatch a film that you really loved when you were a kid and you're like, oh, yes. I'm perceiving this quite differently now. Yes, I had that. Um, what rewatching uh, Faulty Towers definitely yeah. uh, very not Hit okay. A bit differently this time. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's actually really problematic. However, that's why I won't rewatch Lassie because I don't want to ruin ruin that for me. Next on the list, Marlon wants me to watch Flipper with him. That is sweet. What probably be terrible? Free Willy. There's oh whole, yeah, there's a whole whole range of aquamarine mammal films. films. Yes. Right, that's quite enough. Sorry, yeah. Guys, rate, review and subscribe. <laughs> Can you let us know if there's anything you would like us to debrief on? We are hard at work on all the ones we've already promised, so do not you worry. Yeah. Anything new that we've missed, let us know. I would also like to issue a public apology. <gasps> Go on, are you going to do it? The We're going to do it. It's a mere culpa, guys. Um, 
a while back, a few weeks ago, I said something on the podcast that turned out to be misinformation and it has spreading lies, troubled many of you. And we have received many DMs. um, And I just want to say, I'm really sorry that I said that Belle Powley was in anger songs and full frontal snogging because she wasn't. She wasn't. It was a lapse in lucidity. Um, I'll do better. The name of the actress that was in Angus Thongs and Full Fortune Snogging was, in fact, Georgia Groom, who's an English actress, best known, of course, for Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging. I'm sure it was called Full Frontal Snogging, I the book. They I must, must have toned it down. Was that another lie I spread? I think they toned down the name for the film, but it was definitely Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging. I have just seen a wild fact that I did not know. Are you sure? Rupert Grint is her partner, i.e. Ron Weasley. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, An unexpected acting <laughs> dynasty starting there. Cathers, I think it's always been Angus Songs and Perfect Snogging. No, it was definitely Full Frontal Snogging. It Cause, was. Because, I mean, I would like to believe you because I said it was Full Frontal. But I'm looking at... No, it at like... was. Uh, we were right, it was. Was it? How do yes. you know? Angus, well, I just looked it up. It was oh. the 99. Angus Songs and Full Frontal Snogging is a 1999 young adult novel by English author Louise Renanson. What's wrong with saying Full Frontal Snogging? I guess full frontal sounds a bit like risque. But there's, it's saying it's perfect snogging is uh, not faithful to the ethos of the book. Well, this will be why. Because Angus Thongs and full frontal snogging was banned on several occasions in American schools, often challenged by parents due to its sexual content and its main character talking back to her parents. Oh. God's sake. To be fair, my dad banned me from um, reading Princess Diaries. Really? Yeah. But that was so innocent. My dad was the headmaster, so. Yeah. It's still why. Oh, because there was snogging on the first page. Oh, was there? Yeah. Right. Oh, I forgot about the snogging. My parents were not like in touch with what was actually happening in YA fiction. So I could just read whatever I liked. That's good. Probably a better person for it because it's character building. Maybe. (sighs) Anyway. (laughs) um, So yeah, so I am really sorry about that. I think that is a very noble apology. Exactly that. Thank you, honey. It's good to fess up. It is. We got it wrong. We're sorry. We'll do better. Bye for now. See you next week, guys.